this morning, I just want to preach my heart to you out of Joshua chapter 20. Begin our reading with verse number 1. And the reason the Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares or unwittingly may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And we, when he that doth flee unto one of the cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the years of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city unto them. And give him a place that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him. Then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand. Because he smote his neighbor unwittingly. And hated him not before time. And he shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation of judgment. And until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days, then shall the slayer return and come unto his own city and unto his own house, unto the city from whence he fled. And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee and Mount Naphtali and Shechem in Mount Ephraim and Kerjath Arbon, which is Hebron in the Mount of Judah. And on the other side of Jordan by Jericho eastward they assigned Bezer. In the wilderness upon the plain of the tribe of Reuben. And Ramoth and Gilead out of the tribe of Gad. And Golan and Bashan out of the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel. And for the stranger that sojourneth among them. That whosoever killeth any person at unawares might flee thither. And not die by the hand of the avenger of blood. Until he stood before the congregation. Amen. If you will stretch forth your hands this way. Ask God to help us this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you for your spirit that we've already felt. Thank you for your word, O oh God, for its spirit, its truth, and it is life. I'm asking God that you would anoint us now to declare your word. Anoint us now to preach your word. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to say everything that you would have me say. God, anoint me to not say one thing more. God, I pray that you would take this message. God, that you would arrest the hearts and the lives of those that hear God, I, I pray that by your spirit, God, if there's any lost among us, you would draw them to their great refuge. God, if there's any among us today, God, that's been battling and, and, and uh, assailed by hell itself, I pray, oh God, that they could find solace, that they could find refuge, that they could run to their fortress, which is you. And Father, we'll forever love you and give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do. And the church says, Amen. And Amen. You may be seated. The house of the Lord. In our text, God laid out cities of refuge for the children of Israel. This was to be used if someone uh, mistakenly committed murder. If there was some, uh, some way where man had shed innocent blood and it was not premeditated. Or if they committed a crime that, uh, that happened that they just, it wasn't something that uh, came to be or premeditated, but it was just an accident that would happen. 
that they had a, a place that they could run. They had a place that they could go to. They had a, a place that would be a place uh, of safety for them until uh, all the emotions died down and until things began to settle. And uh, it promised them a fair trial. It promised them that uh, judgment uh, would be rendered, that there would be a, 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 a place, that there would be a time, that there would be, uh, there would be, they had to answer for the actions that they committed. But uh, this city of refuge, would keep them safe until the time appointed. So the guilty would run to this city. He would confess who and what he was. He would, uh, if he uh, mistakenly uh, killed someone or he mistakenly committed a crime that was not premeditated, he would run to that city and that was designated by God Himself. And he would cry out to the judge of that city. He would first confess who he was. He would give him his name. He would give him his family history. He would tell him of what tribe he was, who his, who his family was. He would call out to him and tell him who he was. And secondly, he would confess what he had done. He would tell the judge. He would tell the people of the city. He would confess who he was. And he would confess what he was accused of. And the judge would offer him a place of security until a fair trial could be given. Until the issue was resolved. So what this would do, would if someone mistakenly killed someone, and they it was not premeditated murder under the law, there was provisions to immediately be stoned if that was the case. It was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but uh, if someone had uh, mistakenly killed someone or there was an accident that took place instead of a, a lynch mob being ascended and him uh, being hung immediately for something that was an accident he would run to that city go to this place and refuge would be given uh, a fugitive could run to the nearest point of refuge and be assured of justice and a fair trial the avenger could not touch him as long as he remained in the boundaries of that city. These cities were selected uh, so that they could be easily seen by the person running for his life. I began to study out these cities. These cities had the best pay or, or the best laid out roads were leading to the cities of refuge. These roads were wide, they were passable, and they were always in good repair. They had to be marked so that one would always know what way he was on. They had to be marked and designated to let people know that you were on the road to the city of refuge. And these cities were in a place to give everyone a possible chance to the fugitive on the run. It was a place that was set apart. It was normally a high city that was set upon a hill. It was normally well lit. And the roads that were there that was leading, everyone knew that this road would lead to a city and a place of refuge as I begin to look and study out these cities and we're going to get into them in just a moment, uh, you can see Christ in every one of these cities. Uh, what, what we've read into your hearing, uh, what, what we've read about in our text, the city of refuge, uh, it was a type of Christ in the Old Testament uh, that was to come. Uh, it was a place of refuge. It was a place uh, of solace. This morning, uh, the Lord is our refuge. Uh, this morning, God uh, is our refuge. It's Psalms 46 and 1 that tells us God uh, is our refuge and strength, a very present help uh, in time 
time of trouble. Deuteronomy 33, there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thine help and in the excellency of the sky. For the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall destroy them. Second Samuel 22, the God of my rock, in him will I trust, he is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, and my refuge, my Savior. David said in Psalms verse 9 that the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of the trouble. In our text, if someone needed refuge, if they needed a place of safety, they had a place that they could go. They had a place that was set aside just for them. Can I tell you this morning, we have a refuge. We have a place that we can go. It matters not where we are, where we've been, what circumstances we find ourselves in. There is a place that we can go. There is a place where we can hide. There is a place where we can find sanctuary for our soul. It's not a place on a map like it was for these. There's not a designated spot on a map that you can run to and you can go. But there is an altar. Amen. There is a place where you can run and you can find the love and the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find help. You'll find strength. You'll find God Himself. And He says, I am a refuge to my child. God is our refuge. I want us to look very briefly at the Lord to help us this morning at this city. At these cities. And I want us to look and parallel them to Christ. And in the same way that these cities were normally in an elevated place where all men could see and know what that city was and what it represented. Jesus in the same manner was lifted up on an elevated place. And He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. Amen. To where men can look at the cross. These cities of refuge, as I've already mentioned, had well-designated roads that had paths that men were journeying, they would know when they were on that road that it led to a city of refuge. Amen. There is roads. Amen. To Christ. There is a way to Christ. And it is to be open and made available to every man at any time. Amen. It is distinctly marked. Amen. With no confusion along the way that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. Amen. There are many roads that lead to many different places. But there's only one road. There's only one way. There's only one path. Amen. To get to the Father. And that's by the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And there is distinction on this way. That you're walking on the right road. And the gates of the city of the refuge. There was a command in the city for them to be open day or night. It did not matter the situation. How bad the storm was. It didn't matter. The conditions. There was a command for the gates of the city of refuge to always be left open. Amen. Can I tell you that the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are always open. They're never shut. They're never closed. Amen. They're never shut to those that need mercy and grace. But the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ are always open. Day or night. 365 days a year. Amen always open for those in need of mercy and of grace. I thank God for that great refuge. Hallelujah. Let's look very briefly 
at these cities and what they meant and what they represented. The first city that is mentioned was Bezer. And it means a place of fortress or to be fortified. This speaks of great protection and strength in a time of need. Hallelujah. When all of hell has assailed your soul, there is a place of fortification. There is a place, a fortress for your soul. Amen. Where can I find that preacher? You find it in Christ. I mean, you find it in Christ. David said in Psalms 18 verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. He is my deliverer. In 2 Samuel 22, he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. In Psalms 33 and 3, uh, 31 and 3, For thou art my rock and my fortress. For thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. In Psalm 71, Be thou my strong habitation, where I may continually resort that thou hast given commandment to save me for thou art my rock and my fortress it mattered not what David went through it mattered not the condition of his soul he knew that there was always a place that he could go he knew that there was a fortress for his soul he knew that no matter the attack of hell what was going on around him what circumstances he found himself in he knew that there was a place of fortress in the Lord Jesus Christ and can I tell you that fortress is still available today that fortress is available for you and for me it's greatly fortified it matters not the attack of hell it can't penetrate or penetrate this great refuge it matters not amen how hard hell rages it can't penetrate and get through amen our refuge when you're in the Lord's arms there is no attack of hell that can prosper sure there may be weapons formed against us but we have the promise no weapon formed against you shall prosper in every tongue that rises against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn amen when you're in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ you're in a well fortified place and hell can't touch the ones that in my God hell can't reach the ones that are in the arms of God you might be in the battle of your life this morning there is a place of refuge there is a fortress that you can find and his name is J-E-S-U-S hallelujah he is my great fortress amen I can't tell you how many times when hell has attacked amen I've utilized that great fortress hallelujah amen one thing that I learned about these cities of refuge is that as long as that person would stay in that city, he would be free from the avenger of blood. As long as he stayed in that city, he had the protection. He had that sanctuary. But the second that he stepped out of that city, the Bible says that he took his blood upon his own head. There were no rights given to the assailant that walked outside of the city. Amen. But as long as he was there, there was refuge and there was protection. Amen. As long as you're in the arms of Christ, you were in a safe place. If you ever walk outside of that fortress, 
you're taking your blood upon your own head. Amen. If you walk outside of the fortress of that city that is Christ, if you walk outside of that place of safety and that place of refuge, there is no protection guaranteed. You're taking your blood upon your own head. But as long as you're there, as long as you're cradled in His arms, hell can't touch you. The devil can't get to you. Hell can't kill you. Why? Because you're cradled in the arms of the Lord. I thank God for that fortress this morning. I will run and look unto Him who's mightier than I. My God, when I can't, I can go to the fortress and know that my God can. Hallelujah. That was Bezer. Secondly, the second city. I'm going to hurry through these very quickly. The second city that was appointed in Joshua 20 was the city of Gilead. And Gilead means to be elevated or to be lifted up. Amen. It means to be lifted up, to be encouraged. It was Psalms 3. You'll know why that's important by this verse. Psalms 3, it was David who said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But then David went on to write verse 3, But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of mine head. The glory and the lifter of mine head. For us, the last portion of that verse may not mean a whole lot to us. But for that Jew, it meant everything. Because when a Jew would go through a period of mourning, oftentimes he would put on sackcloth and ashes that would let everybody know that he was in mourning, that he was in a trial, that he was going through something. And while he had on sackcloth and ashes, when he, when he walked through town or when he walked through the market or when he was going from place to place, he would hang his head and he would not make eye contact with anybody. And that was a sign, I'm in mourning, I'm in the trial of my life, just let me alone and let me be. I, I'm going through this, I, I, I'm in a fight for my life. I mean, it, it was a sign, I, I feel unworthy, I, I don't feel like a measure up and he would hang his head. But when that man encountered a true friend, that friend would come along and he would lift up his head. And that would be a sign that I'm in the yoke with you. You're not walking by yourself. You're not in this trial alone. Your burden is my burden. As long as you're in this shape, I'm here with you. I'm here for the long haul. I'm here to lift up your head. I'm here to encourage you. You don't have to be down in the doldrums all day for the rest of your life. I'm here to encourage you and to lift you up. David said, Amen. Many are they increased that trouble me. Many there be which say of me there is no help for him and God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield from me, the glory and the lifter of mine head. 
said David knew what it was like to be distressed David knew what it was like to be depressed when he wrote Psalms 3 his own son was trying to kill him and take the throne and the kingship and David said when I've got nowhere else to turn when I can't rely on friends when I can't rely on family you oh God are a shield from me the glory and the lifter of mine head as long as we're in amen the fortress of God he will lift up our head he'll be our encouragement he'll be our strength and he will lift us up he is the glory and the lifter of mine head I remember a time in my life I had just finished up my first year of college God had called me into ministry and to this point to, to this day it was the lowest trial that I had ever gone in how many of you have just been there where you feel like you can't get a prayer through? Hey man, I was there for weeks, for months on end. I was really at a crossroads in my life. I was either, I was to the point, God, you're going to have to intervene or I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Lord, I, I, I've got to have direction. I've got to have help. I can't make it anymore. For the first time in months, it, it, it seemed like years. I don't know the exact time frame, but I heard the voice of God. He told me in prayer, strangest thing He's ever told me, one of them up to that point anyways. He said, there's a youth camp going on in McClooney, Florida. He said, you go to that youth camp, I'll meet you there. I was 19 years old, freshman in college, broke as all get out. I didn't even know if I had enough money to, just to get there and gas, let alone hotel and everything God provided. And I, I went to that youth camp. On a, we got there on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, I'm telling you, they shouted the paint off the walls. I sat there and I did not feel a thing. Heard no voice, couldn't hear from God, just as low as I could possibly be. I said, God, all these people are shouting, running, jumping, being filled with the Holy Ghost. And here I am. I feel like I'm in a spiritual igloo, about to die, spiritual hypothermia. I, 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 I can't feel you. You told me to come. And I get in this atmosphere and I don't feel nothing. That went on Wednesday night. Thursday morning, I got up prayer time, praying, crying out to God, sobbing, weeping, crying. Lord, I can't feel you. What's going on? Am I, am I backslid? Am I reprobate? Lord, what's the deal? Thursday morning, go in there. They are shouting the paint off the wall over again. Hanging from the chandeliers, running the aisles. I'm telling you, having Pentecost heaven on earth. And I'm sitting there about four pews back, just crying, God, I can't feel you. I can't feel you. I said, God, if this don't change, I'm done. I can't do this. I can't feel you. Brother Ronnie Searcy was the director of the camp, went to McClinney Church of God, one of the greatest men of God I knew. I'd never met him. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. But in the midst of all the pandemonium that was going on, he shut the service down. Shut it down. He looked at me. He said, brother, he said, come here. 
I said, all right. I got up, walked to the front of the church. He looked at me. He stopped him from playing the music. He stopped it, shut it all down. Looked at me eyeball to eyeball. He looked at me and said, brother, he said, I don't know you, and you don't know me. I've never laid eyes on you before. But he said, about 30 seconds ago, he said, God spoke to my heart and said, you're in the trial of your life. He said, you're at a crossroads to whether you're going to quit or whether you're going to go forward to God. The exact same thing that I'd been praying for days. He called me out and read my mail. And he said, son, he said, God told me to tell you. He said, your midnight is over. He said, you've been hanging your head in defeat. But he said, this morning, God wants you to lift your head and tell you he is the glory and the lifter of your head. By this point, I'm just weeping. I'm sobbing. I'm, I'm, I've got my head hanging down. He said, son, lift up your head. Lift up your head. And I still just had it down crying. He said, I said, lift up your head. And he came and had big old hands. I put it right under my chin. About bit my tongue off. Amen. But he lifted up my head. And as soon as he did, he put that big old massive hand on top of my head. I felt a surge of the Holy Ghost go through my body. When I came to on the other side of the church, about 15 minutes later, I was set free. And I was changed by the power of Almighty God. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because He is the glory and the lifter of mine head. It matters not the trial. It matters not the circumstance. It matters not the spiritual midnight. There is a Gilead. There is a place where you can go in God when He'll lift up your head and pick you up. Listen, I don't care the depression. I don't care the oppression. I don't care the anxieties or the fears. There is a Gilead this morning and He's the Lord Jesus Christ and He's come to be your glory. He's come to be the lifter of your head run to the place of refuge this morning hallelujah amen that is what jesus is third not only was there bezer amen which means fortress not only was there gilead to be elevated or to be lifted up the third golan means revealed compassion hallelujah there is compassion in the arms of the lord Listen, we are living in a very dark society where compassion and examples of compassion are few and far between in this present world. Amen. But there is a place where you can find true compassion. There is a place where you can find... Amen. And it's in the arms of Jesus. David again writing. Psalms 86. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion... And is gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous, and mercy and truth. In Psalms 11, uh, 111 verse 4, He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. For the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Psalms 145 and 8, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. Amen. We're living in a society that is so short-fused, the slightest little thing will set off an atomic bomb. Amen. By pure random strangers, they're so... Uh, the, 
very little compassion being shown. Amen. But the Bible says the Lord is great in compassion. He is slow to anger and great in mercy. There is compassion to be found in Christ. Amen. If you're looking for compassion, you're just looking in the wrong places. Look to Christ. You'll find true compassion. You'll find love and mercy and grace. There is a goal line to be found. And it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The next city, Kadesh. Joshua goes into a, a little bit deeper description of Kadesh. He actually called it two words. The first one that he called it was Kerjath Arba. And then he said, which is Kadesh. Now that word Kadesh simply means holiness. So what it means, it means a place of holiness, which that speaks in and of itself. For Isaiah 35 and 8 says, And a highway shall be there, and the way in it shall be called the highway of holiness. There is a place of holiness in Christ that we can have. But just looking at it at face value, we'll miss out on what Joshua was saying. We'll miss out on the whole intended purpose of that. He said the first place that he called it was Kerjath Arba, which means the city of four giants. Anak was a giant in the land. And he had three boys. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce their names. Amen. But they were of the, the place of Kerjath Arba. And that's what it means, the city of four giants. These were the enemies of Israel. They had come against the children of Israel and it was Caleb when he took his mountain that he began to slay Anak and his three sons and he declared war on them and ultimately he killed them. Amen. But when you see uh, what it, the, the full picture there, Kerjath Arba, which means the city of giants, uh, which is called Kadesh, uh, which means holiness. Uh, you can have holiness uh, in the middle of the giant of sin. Uh, amen. The four giants, I believe, uh, amen, you won't find this in commentaries, but I believe uh, that those four giants uh, in the land of Kerjath Arba is a representation of the giant of sin, uh, the giant of worldliness, uh, the giant of compromise, uh, and the giant of complacency. Uh, we see all all of those things in the world uh, being magnified right before our very eyes. Uh, but even in the midst of a giant of sin, uh, even in the midst of a giant of worldliness, uh, even in the midst of giants of compromise and complacency, uh, you can't have the holiness of Christ. Uh, there is a place uh, that you can go. Uh, even though all of hell uh, has assailed you with giants, uh, that they just keep on coming. Uh, there is a place of holiness in Christ. Uh, there is a place uh, that you can run and you can't find holiness in Christ and the good thing about it not only can you run and experience it but it will come alive on the inside of you and then Christ's holiness will become you and in your holiness you'll find that in the midst of the giants of sin you can walk holy you can talk holy you can live holy you can be holy in an unholy world thank God for that place of refuge hallelujah the next city is Shechem. I love this. Shechem in the Hebrew tongue simply means shoulder. Shoulder. Listen, the sign of friendship is not a handshake when things are good. 
But the sign of true friendship is rather a shoulder to lean on when things are bad. Anybody can shake your hand and hug your neck when everything is smooth and going good. But a true friend is going to reveal themselves in the lean times when nothing is going good. I mean, I've got a lot of fair weather friends. And no doubt you do too. I mean, they'll be your best friend as long as the money's coming in. And as long as everything's right. But the first child that comes along, they're nowhere to be found. I believe it was Brother Stidham that said, and it struck two with me, uh, struck with me. He said, if a man has two friends, he is a most blessed man. For people can have a lot of acquaintances, but there are very few true friends. Amen. That will give you their shoulder to lean on when things are not going good. Amen. Another sign of friendship is one who will help you shoulder the load instead of running the other direction. Amen. A sign of friendship. He'll give you your shoulder to lean on when things are bad. But secondly, He'll get in the yoke with you and pull along beside you. Amen. If you've got a friend to do that, you have a true friend. Amen. It was First Peter 5 and 7. Peter told us to cast all of your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Amen. We have a friend that we can run to this morning when the cares of this life are too much for us and it drives us to our knees. There is a place where we can go. There is a place of refuge in Christ that we can run to Him and say, God, I can't handle this. It's too much for me. It's above me. It's brought me to my knees. I can't take it. Will you take it and help me carry the load? And you'll find that the Lord Jesus, He gets down and He shoulders the load. Why? Because He's good for it. He He's stronger than you are. And He's able to pull what you can't pull. He's able to carry what you cannot carry. He is a true friend. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When everyone walks out, He is a friend that will walk in in the middle of your midnight hour, in the midst of your storm. He'll give of you His shoulder and He'll help you carry the load. Thank God for Shechem. Thank God there's a place where Jesus will get in the yoke and help you carry the load. Hallelujah. The last one, and I'm hurrying, is Hebron. And it simply means fellowship. A place of fellowship. Hallelujah. Why was man created? He was created in the image of God to have fellowship with God. That's why man was created in a nutshell. Created in the image of God to have fellowship with God. Adam was made for fellowship. We preached last week about the blood. Adam lost that fellowship. But you hear me, Jesus restored it at Calvary. What Adam gave away in the garden, Christ restored at the cross of Calvary. We now can have fellowship with the Father. How? By the blood of the Son. I mean, we can have fellowship with the Father. In our refuge, there is a place that we can go and we can have communion and fellowship with God Almighty. Amen. That, that's something that no other religion on the face of the earth, there may be thousands of religions, but no other religion can offer you that. You go to pray to Buddha. You pray into an idol that never talks. 
You go to pray to Allah. You pray into a, some foreign deity that never has one time answered prayer. That has never one time performed a miracle. That's never one time given of himself to his people. You pray, uh, amen, to Mary. Uh, you, you, you pray to other people. They can't offer you fellowship. Uh, they can't offer you communion. Uh, amen. But we have the place where we can go uh, and we can get along with God himself. Uh, and God will talk. Uh, amen. And we'll listen. Uh, we'll talk uh, and God will talk back. Uh, we can break bread and commune with God. How? Uh, through prayer and through the word. Uh, hallelujah. There is a place. That we can go and find fellowship with the Father by the blood of the Son. There's nothing more precious in earth than communion and fellowship with God. None. I don't care the emotional high. I don't care the thrill. There's nothing that can compare to hearing the voice of God. Nothing. There's nothing that can compare to weeping and crying around an altar by the need. And then God. Reaching down and answering and meeting that need. But there's nothing more precious than that. Amen. Christianity offers you something that no other religion can. And it provides you something that no other religion ever will. Never. Never. Billions are deceived by praying to a false God that cannot hear and cannot answer. And yet we as Christians have the greatest privilege and we utilize it less than any other people on the planet. That's sad. Muslims will get down on their knee and pray five times a day. Face toward Mecca. 30 minutes to an hour. Praying, calling upon that name of the false God. And yet Christians are doing good to pray two or three minutes. And half of that is a little God is great, God is good prayer over the food. Amen. God help us. God forgive us. I mean, but communion and fellowship with the Father. And our refuge. Listen, not only will our fellowship be with the Father, but it provides us fellowship with each other. The cross of Calvary has a vertical beam that gets things right between man and God. But it also has a horizontal beam that makes things right with our fellow man. Listen, when I was born and birthed into the kingdom of God, I was birthed into the greatest family I knew anything about, the family of God. Amen. We call each other brother and sisters. Why? Because you're our brother and my sister in the Lord. Amen. There's a kinship. There's a fellowship there that you can find in the family of God that you can't find anywhere else. I'm, I'm closer to you as my family, as the family of Christ then I am 90% of my own blood family. Amen. There, there's a closeness, there's a kinship that we have that I don't even have with my blood family. We as children of God, we're part of the greatest fellowship that this world has ever known. Amen. There, there is a place of Hebron, a, a fellowship to where we not only can have fellowship with the Father, but we can have fellowship with each other. When we have a, a body of believers that we can wrap our arms around and say, I love you, brother. I'm praying for you. You're not the only one going through this. I'm here going with you. Uh, amen. Where it matters not day or night, there's people, uh, there's brothers or sisters in Christ that I can call uh, that I know will get a hold of God uh, and I know will ring the prayer bells of heaven. Uh, amen. There's nothing like uh, fellowship with the body of Christ. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with man. That's what those cities represent. That, that, that's what those cities mean. We can see Christ 
and every single city. I'm going to look at three more things and I'm done. The first thing, notice the qualifications of entrance to this city. The accused man had to confess who and what he was to the judge. While the gate was always open, if he would try to go through the gate without confession, he would never make it in. They would be there to turn him around and to turn him out. But if he would come openly and confess, this is my name, here's who I am, this is what I've done, he would find refuge and a place of solace for his soul. Amen. What does this say in 1 John 1 and 9? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God does not forgive sin before confession is made. Amen. He does not forgive sin. We cannot enter into that place of refuge before confession is made. I mean, if we were to try to get in some other way, the Bible says we're the same as a thief and a robber. But when we come humbly and we say, God, it's me. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm a rank sinner. I failed you. I'm not worthy of your blood. My sins are too great to bear. But God, I need you. I need help. I confess who and what I am. I need you. I need your love. I need your mercy and I need your grace. There has never been a man that God has turned away that come with a repentant heart. None. There's been none that God has rejected and God has sent away. I don't care what doctrine is out there that will teach you otherwise. There's never been a man with a repentant heart that the Holy Ghost has gotten a hold of him and then revealed to him that he needs Christ. Amen. And led him to an altar. There's never been a man or a woman that God has rejected. Once we can make our confession, the city of refuge is ours. Once we make our confession and the judge says enter in amen there's nothing that stops us from the benefits of that city there is a place of refuge once that appropriate confession is made secondly i want us to notice some of the illustrative features of resemblance notice that the city of refuge were of divine appointment god ordered those places he ordered them to be where they were and where they are so that the world uh, could know the gospel. Uh, amen. It's the same divine appointment. Uh, we don't have to run to a city or run to a particular place. Uh, but we can run to an altar. Uh, we can run to the place where we know God is. Uh, amen. And we can find protection uh, that is offered. Secondly, the cities of refuge were provisions uh, against imminent danger. So is the gospel. Uh, there's imminent danger coming to this world. Uh, there's fire and fervent heat that's going to melt it. Uh, amen. And it's going to be demolished. There is imminent danger. There is global warming. It's just not the kind that the nutcases in Washington like to tell you about. There is going to be a case where this earth is burnt with fervent fire and heat. But there has been provisions made for the child of God. Hallelujah. There is a rapture. There is a way out. There is a way of escape. He has made provisions of refuge for His children. And then third, the cities of refuge were arranged so as to be available for all the manslayers in the country. Folks, so is the gospel. The gospel is available to every man. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Black, white, red, yellow, Chinese, Mexican, Japanese, Indian. 
Amen. God knows no race, no color, no creed. Amen. It's available to every man and every woman. Fourth, the cities of refuge were for the guilty. So is the gospel. Because every one of us are guilty of sin. There's not a one of us that were born without that Adamic sin nature. There's not a one of us that has never sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if that verse is true, then we are guilty of the penalty of death. We're guilty. All of us deserve death. All of us deserve to die. But the gospel, hallelujah, made it possible to where we could be free from the law of sin and death. I mean, we can be forgiven, set free, and changed by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cities of refuge were for the guilty. So is the gospel. Amen. I, we don't have to uh, come. Amen. And, 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 and leave the same way, but we can come, make our petitions and our case known before God. And He can hear us and forgive us. Uh, there were two preachers that came down. Well, they weren't preachers. They were both lost, but God... After he saved them, called them and became preachers and they were great men of God. One man came down, prayed two minutes, left saying, Amen, hallelujah, praise God, I'm born again. The other man, who was his best friend, wept and cried for hours. Man, prayed, snot ran down his face, a pool of tears and that altar. Finally, after a couple of hours, he jumped up, ran around the church, said, Amen, glory to God, I'm free, I'm set free, hallelujah. After church was over, the man that prayed for two hours looked over at the man that only prayed a couple minutes. said, Man, how is it that you got free and saved after a couple minutes and it took me a couple hours? He said, Man, I just looked at God and pled guilty. Amen. I pled guilty. I said, Lord, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of sin. I'm guilty of being a trans. I'm guilty of being the enemy of God. But if you'll forgive me, I'll give you my life. Amen. It's yours, oh God. Amen. That, amen, is the simplicity of the gospel. Amen. You don't have to try to uh, uh, give God an explanation of your sin. He knows who and what you are. Amen. Just say, Lord, here am I. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my sin. I give you my past. I give you my failures. I give you my shame. I, I give you all of me. God, I pray in return you give me all of you. Give me your forgiveness. Give me your grace. Give me your love. Your holiness. Your righteousness. God, give me you. Hallelujah. Lastly, notice a few points where our refuge is greater than those cities of refuge. Hallelujah. The first is that the cities of refuge afforded only a temporary protection for the body. But the gospel provides protection for the whole man forever and forever and forever. Amen. There was only a short amount of time that you would be in that city of refuge until the high priest set up a trial. Until the high priest died, then you would return and go back to your family or go back to your place and you had to answer for those uh, things that you had committed. You still had to answer for the act that was done. But with the gospel, 
It's not a temporary restraining order from sin. No. Amen. But the gospel is a permanent relief from sin. Hallelujah. Amen. To where I don't have to go back and answer, thank God for the things of sin that I committed years and years and years and years ago. No. They've been covered by the blood. They've been washed. They've been removed as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. Secondly, the protection which the cities afforded involved the sacrifices of certain privileges. You had to give up your rights to enter into that city of refuge. You had to give up everything to be able to empty it in and you were at the mercies of the judge. But when we come into Christ, amen, the only thing that I have to give up is my life. Amen to God. Now there are some changes that will come. But it's not going to be changes, amen, to, to try to uh, please men or try to please man, but it's going to be God dealing with your heart, changing you and conforming you to His image. Amen, but I don't, it's not as much entering into God's city of refuge is not as much about giving away privileges as it is gaining privileges of being the privilege of being called the Son of God. Amen, being made heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Amen, I don't focus on what I give away to be a saved. No, I focus on what I'm gaining by being Christ's, by being His, hallelujah, and what He gives unto His children. Amen, look at those who enjoy the protection of the cities. There would always be a desire to go back home. As long as they were in that city, they remembered their family that they left behind. They remembered their wives. They remembered their children. They remembered mamas and dads. They remembered family. They remembered what they left behind and they longed for the day that they could go back home. No, folks, when I got born again, amen, I wasn't looking back to what I was leaving behind, but I was looking to the home that I was about to gain. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I don't live my life thinking about the things, longing for the sin that I left behind. Amen. I'm just longing for the holiness and the righteousness of God that lies ahead. Amen. Pushing forward, pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. I have no desire to return back to a life of sin. None. Listen, I drink all the alcohol I want to drink, which is none. Smoke all the cigarettes I want to smoke, which is none. Do all the drugs I want to do, which is none. Why? Because I have no desire, amen, for the things of this world. Amen. Talking to people, man, you don't drink, you don't do this, you don't do that. No, that's legalistic. You're being legal. No, I'm not being legalistic. I don't desire it. Amen. I've been born again. I've been born from above. I desire the things of God more than I desire the things of man. It's not legalistic, folks. That's love. I love God more than I love those things. I love the life of being born again more than I love the life of sin. I love being Christ more than I love of being hell's. Amen. I love my God. Thank God. It's not about what you're giving up or the things that returning and going back. No. I want to go forward in Christ. Kirsten, come help me. I'm done. I'm closing with these three things. Look at the capacity of the cities of refuge. Those cities had to be big enough to be able to house whosoever would come. There had to be provision for as many people that needed refuge to be able to find refuge. 
Look at the commands of Christ. Whosoever will, let him come. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever will believe upon Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I know the Calvinists like to tell you that whosoever really isn't whosoever. It's just a small group. It's the elect. No. Amen. My Bible says whosoever will, let Him come. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever Believe upon Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. There's room in the city of refuge this morning. There's room at the cross for you. Secondly, that city, those cities were designated to where they had to be reached. They were equally distributed on the east side of Jordan and the west side of Jordan to where they were equally accessible to all. If there was a place close by, they didn't have to build a boat and get on the other side of Jordan and go for a hundred miles to find a place of refuge. No. But these cities were centrally located. They were easy accessible to all. Can I tell you this morning that Calvary is easily accessible to all men. Hallelujah. I don't have to go to Golgotha, the place of the skull in Jerusalem. I, I, I don't have to spend thousands of dollars to get aboard a plane to go so I can be born again. No. Amen. Calvary is accessible wherever you are. The third thing, as I mentioned, these cities had to, were high elevation. Cities on a hill that could be seen. They were pointed out to where any man who looked at that city would know that's my refuge. That's my place. That's where I've got to go. That's the place that I've got to get to. It was distinguished by all that saw it. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Amen. Wherever you are, you can find refuge. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whether it's sin, whether it's shame, whether it's depression, fear, anxiety, whether it's addiction, or whether it's just because you're a child of God and hell's fighting you tooth and toenail. Seems like you take one step forward in God and you get knocked three steps back. I've come with a blanket gospel this morning telling you that this place of refuge is for you. This place of refuge is for me. If you're here and you're lost, I beg you this morning, run to this altar. Run to the cross of Calvary to where you can find refuge and deliverance from sin. If you're here and you're a saint, you've been serving faithfully to, faithful to God, but it seems like you're in the trial of your life. Run to your city of refuge this morning. Amen. You can come boldly, find grace to help in time of need. These altars are open this morning. I would, I would love to see 100% in these altars. Run to your refuge. Run to God this morning. Run to the Lord this morning. Amen. You'll find help for whatever you need. Come, let us find us a place to pray. Hallelujah.